When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, the podcast where two best friends use their patent pending movie ranking scale to determine the true quality of a film. Today is Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. And today, Ty, we're reviewing a movie that I was not looking forward to. I know you were not looking forward to, but the people were looking forward to. That is the live action Little Mermaid remake. Ty, how are you feeling on this beautiful Wednesday night? Um, I'm feeling good today. I was not feeling good going into this movie. Um, Disney's always terrible with their live action remakes. And uh, uh, I mean, we'll see if this one was better, but I was not expecting much. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've talked in, I mean, we, it feels like we review a live action Disney movie every two weeks on this podcast. It's just, they keep pumping them out. Like they're going out of style, but well, they kind of are going out of style, but um, <laughs> you know, I was on vacation. I'm still on vacation. This is how long this vacation is. This is the second, <laughs> second vacation podcast. And that always gives movies a natural bump. So, you know, I was, it was, it was a, a, an interesting addition to the vacation um, that put me in a better mindset. Now, will I say, did it impact the movie? Did it help it? Did it hurt it? I'm not going to, I'm going to let that, you know, play out in the podcast itself, but um, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about this film with you. Maybe not as excited as fast 10, but um, I'm excited to talk about the film, excited to provide a vacation update. I don't think this week is as thrilling as last week's, even though we did more actual vacationing, less driving, um, but I still think it's going to be a great pod, Ty. It's always great to catch up with you. Mm, I can't wait, Jack. Let's get into the show. The time, it works every time. What? We just become best friends. Yep. I don't feel so good. Hulk! Smash! I'm not fucking leaving! All right, Ty, it has been six days since I last talked to you via via your beautiful voice. We have texted a little bit. And before I talk about how my last six days have gone, I just want to know, how's your last six days gone? How, how has the life of Tyler Wooten been? Oh, you know, they they would be a lot better if I was on a wonderful beach in Florida somewhere. Um, which I don't even know if you went to the beach, but I would be at the beach if I was in Florida. Um, so I'm kind of jealous. I'm a little jealous of your trip. I'm glad you're having a good time. I've been telling people at work about it that we play softball with how you're uh, on the other side of the country, and they've been also jealous. Nice, nice. Well, I'm jealous of you because you uh, got to see Maurice, which I wasn't I, too happy about. I did. And, uh, yeah, he gave me kisses. Yeah, that, that made me a little sad. And you're also hanging out with your son, who's pretty cool, so I'm a little jealous of that. He's the best. He's he's much cooler than you. <laughs> um, 
Well, I'm glad I'm glad you had a good week still, Ty. You you say you're jealous. I don't know if there's much to be jealous about. I was at a Florida beach for some point in time, but um before talking about that, I guess some things to update. So I was in Orlando, Florida last time we recorded. And I'm once again in Orlando, Florida. But I was in two other cities in between our two recordings. So uh you, we we did not stay you in You did Orlando. a nice little loop? Yes. So we had to we had like a an in-between day for what uh, we had scheduled on our itinerary. So we wanted to go see the Dodgers play the Rays, and we also wanted to see the Marlins play. They played the Padres, but with how the schedules, the baseball schedules worked out, we needed to, like, waste a day. So pretty much uh, waste, like, a day and a half. So pretty much instead of driving, like, Atlanta all the way to Tampa, we did Atlanta to Orlando, did, like, a day and a half pit stop, uh, two nights, and then drove down to Tampa and, and completed that before swinging back up to do the Disney World portion of this trip, which is what, what is happening now. We have not gone to Disney World yet. Tomorrow will be the first day, so when we record in person next week, I might have some more updates. We'll have Disney World and then my drive home, um, which is crazy to think this time next week I'm going to be back all the way in California. But So I, I've been in two different cities. I haven't been in Orlando the whole time. Um, some things to share. I guess uh, we went to Islands of Adventure. Uh, that's the Universal theme park with roller coasters. Nothing really crazy happened there. Uh, we did go on middle school field trip day, which is always a bad day to go to a theme park. I mean, we were middle schoolers oh, once no. going to Knott's Berry Farm. And I would I would equate the second Universal Park, the one with roller coasters, to Knott's Berry Farm. Um, I wouldn't say, like, all the rides are similar, but I would say the, the number of things to do is around the same um, in terms mm. of total rides, coasters, kid rides, that kind of deal. So, um, like I said, we were once middle schoolers going to Knott's Berry Farm, so you can only imagine how that was for us. Yeah, middle schoolers are the worst. <laughs> so there was a lot of cursing, a lot of, uh, you know, longer lines than normal. We waited an hour and a half to ride Velocicoaster, which is the Jurassic Park-themed roller coaster, which was epic. Um, first thing we rode in the day, there was some theorized rain for the middle of the day, so we kind of did our long waits in our, the two coasters we really wanted to ride first. Uh, so we had to wait an hour and a half. That was great. My knees were weak after. My legs were literally shaking. Um, it was a crazy roller coaster. <laughs> Um, and then we went over to, uh, Hagrid's, we rode there. They have like a Hagrid's motorbike ride, which isn't as like crazy thrill rise, but it was the most expensive coaster ever built at the time of opening. That's been surpassed by, I believe Tron at, uh, Disney world. But, um, that was pretty cool. We waited two hours for that. The wait absolutely sucked. We had a, uh, family reunion in front of us, not a middle school trip, but a family reunion of 30 to 40 people. I think Riley counted actually, I think it was like 29, um, and they were singing the whole time, and uh, it was just really annoying, them all singing along with each other in the queue in, like, a, a closed space. I did not like that one bit. What were they singing? Well, so it was it was a, a Hispanic family. I don't know where they were from. I don't know if it was, like, Cuba, Puerto Rico, Mexican, whatever, you know. Um, so they were singing kind of just Hispanic songs, which I have no problem with. Um, it, that's not the moral of the story. That's why I didn't bring it up first until you asked. But so they were singing something in, you know, some Hispanic song, which is fine. Um, it doesn't matter if they're singing that or the Beatles or Cardi B when, you know, it wasn't all of them. It was like the the teenagers, like the 16 to 19 year olds screaming and singing along. It's just it's going to be annoying no matter what the song is. So that was not fun. Yeah, that's that's awful. That's uh, that does not sound like a good time. Now, was that like a planned family reunion or do you think like 15 of one side of the family 15 of the other side of the family just happened to book a trip the same day and ran into each other 
and you were witnessing an accidental reunion. <laughs> it was planned. They had shirts. All 29 of them had oh. matching purple shirts. So 100% planned. Now, what if what if the 15, like they planned a 15-person family reunion and all brought backup T-shirts <laughs> in case they got like wet on a ride and then shared that with the other 15 members of their family? <laughs> if that happened, then I'm happy for them because that's a once in a million. <laughs> <laughs> I would start singing too if that happened. <laughs> um, so that was cool. Uh, we went to, uh, I think I talked about it already. We went to the buffet. I think we might have talked about it last podcast. We might have done that the night of Islands Adventure. I don't remember. There's nothing to really talk about there. Um, I will say we did go to Tampa Bay. We did go to the Tampa Bay Rays playing the Dodgers. The Dodgers lost a crazy game, 11 to 10. A lot of wonky things, mm-hmm. airs, some home runs. I'm not sure if you saw the game. It was like a Sunday morning game. It was on Peacock. Um, a lot of crazy stuff happening. Tampa Bay city itself, or the city of Tampa, I should say, because Tampa Bay is the overall region. Pretty nice. Um, I told Riley I, I felt like it was going to be a sleeper city for me, and it was. I, I felt like it was going to compare to San Diego, and it compared to San Diego. Ty, I wouldn't say it was full San Diego, um, because obviously it didn't have like the outside surrounding parts of San Diego, like the La Jolla's and all that. But it had like the mm-hmm. downtown area was very reminiscent of downtown San Diego to me. They had like a nice little um, area with like a bunch of shops and everything, kind of like the San Diego uh, Sea Market or whatever it's called. Uh, we got this delicious ice cream flight where we got like six, it was supposed to be six half scoops of ice cream for like 10 bucks at this like homemade ice cream place, but they were like full scoops. Um, it was great. Um, we stayed at Embassy Suites, which I'm a big fan of Embassy Suites. I'm not sure if I've talked about them on the pod, but I'm a big fan. Um, so Tampa, two thumbs up, Ty. I really enjoyed it. Wow. I now I love San Diego. San Diego is probably my favorite place on earth. Um that's high praise for the city of Tampa Bay. Yeah, I know. I was I was shocked. It's not quite it's it's B plus San Diego, but a B plus San Diego is still pretty damn good, you know? So Yeah, no, that's not bad at all. Um Tropicana Field is exactly how you'd imagine it. Um it's, it's a dump. <laughs> <laughs> the the concourse is it felt like we were at like a minor league hockey arena um it was like a circus when we walked in they had a guy on stilts they had a guy bouncing on a ball i think they had a clown they were playing music um i will give tropicana credit though i i have my stadium rankings i ranked it dead last of the now 18 i've been to but it was better than i expected like i was actually thinking about not putting it dead last putting it above of guaranteed rate field the chicago white Sox, which we went during a COVID game. They didn't let us walk around the stadium. We had to stay in our one section, so that kind of was working against it. But um, wasn't as bad as I thought. They actually they they were trying. Like they had really cool creative food options, and like they were trying. But it's just an old rundown building. That being said, that was the game I I splurged a little bit on. And by splurged, I mean I spent like what would have been okay seats at Dodger Stadium to get Rays Club, which was like special seats where we had like free food, a free buffet, and everything for like. 170 a ticket which again you spend 170 bucks at dodger stadium you're in the loge so um that part was nice <laughs> there you go I, that i think that definitely helps the experience when you're going to a rundown building like tropicana yeah. um yeah sure. how how bad was the drive because i see a lot of tampa bay fans uh complain that it's just not in tampa is that true yeah so tampa is it's like a big bay so you know, Tampa's on one side of the bay, and then you have to take a bridge to St. Petersburg, which it was an eight-mile drive, maybe, and it took us 40 minutes to get to, you know, where we were to 
parked in the parking lot. It's kind of in the middle of nothing. Like St. Petersburg isn't like another big city. It was more residential and it had like a downtown, but not, not like Tampa. Um, and it was kind of just in the middle of a bunch of residential and their parking lot was kind of small and it had limited entrances and, um, there was actually a decent amount of people there. I'm guessing because the Dodgers were in town and the Rays are pretty good. But one trick the Rays are doing, they don't sell their nosebleed, like their upper deck, their third level. They don't even sell those tickets. So when it looks full, I'm sure they do in the playoffs, but when it looks full in a regular season game, that's because all the tickets being sold are only in that lower bowl area. Um, so that's a good trick by them, I guess. I'm so confused. It looks full because they don't sell tickets. So if you're looking on TV and you see it like it looks full behind home or behind the dugouts or in the outfield, it's because they're not selling the upper deck nosebleeds behind home that usually aren't on the TV camera. You know what I mean? Um, oh, to try to make it appear more full. So they can, they can, yeah, they condense their fans a little bit. Yes, which I can confirm the Miami Marlins do the same thing. So Rays fans, I know the Rays, get sh- they don't get shit on, but like they're not known for a, a being a big team. Rays fans know baseball. Like, you could just tell. Like, it was a lot of old people, which that's just naturally a baseball community. You know, retired old people in Tampa Bay. Um, but there there was like a – you could tell when fan, certain fan bases know baseball and certain fan bases don't. When we went to the Braves game last week, which I should have talked about on the pod. I'm pretty sure I did. You could tell there was a lot more kind of like Dodger fans where, like, they're loud, they cheer. But there's a lot of Dodger fans who are there to drink beer and, you know, have fun. Rays fans, they were all there to watch the Rays win, which I, I greatly appreciated that. I, I respect Tampa Bay Rays fans, Ty. You, you had fans. like That's why people think like it's the Rays organization that does so good in creating pitchers. It's actually just the fans like giving tips during bullpens because they know ball so well. <laughs> it might be. It, it's just an educated okay. fan base, man. And like there were some Rays <laughs> fans who were trying to heckle me as we were leaving, and I didn't take the bait because I, I didn't want to give them the satisfaction. Um, they were just saying like dumb things about it was like just stupid things, and you know, and I, I wanted to bring up the 2020 World Series, and um, I didn't because again, I I didn't want to give them what they wanted. They were trying to entice me, but they were walking behind us for a while, just saying stuff about the Rays winning, and there was like a little uh, like a little figure thing. I don't know, but that showed the standings in the AL East, and they're like, oh, all teams have better record than the Dodgers, which just isn't true, by the way. Um. And just saying a bunch of stuff. It's going to bring up the World Series, and then they would have said it was a Mickey Mouse ring. And then I would have said, yep. if it was a Mickey Mouse ring, how come you guys have like a full ass? Uh, they had like a full ass little corridor area dedicated to making the 2020 World Series and Brett Phillips game tying or game winning hit in Game Four. So I was going to say, yeah, it's a Mickey Mouse r- ring, whatever. But like your guys is one, you know, claim to fame in the stadium is that you made it to that World Series. So what does that say? I don't want to get into that nuanced argument, so I just let them be. Now, I will say, um, side tangent here, my sister Rochelle is in Europe on vacation also. So I'm double jealous of people being on vacation. Wow, I did not know um, that. Yeah, she just went – She today's her first day there. But I feel like like Americans in Europe, like people have the right to make fun of Americans there. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like a Dodger fan at any visitor's <laughs> stadium. Like you have to be aware of your group of people. And you just have to accept the shit from everyone else whenever you're in a different stadium as a Dodger fan. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've seen the Dodgers play. I've been to 18 parks now. I I could tell you how many I've seen the Dodgers play in if I thought about it, but I'm not going to go through that. That's bad radio. But 
I could tell you there definitely are most of them. I get that. Like I, I got that at the Red Sox, um, which I will say the Red Sox fans did say they respected us because the Red Sox game I went to is when, you know, Pantone 294 went and there was literally like 30% Dodger fans in Boston, which is like crazy to think about. But um, yeah, you know, they were respectful, but shit talking Philly fans were mean. The Giants fans were the meanest, obviously Love that goes that. without saying uh, Padre fans five years ago didn't exist. When I went in 2021 with Miko, they were very mean. Angel fans, not really. I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest. When it's Angels Dodgers, it's 50-50 and, you know, you talk shit, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not going to get much out of us. Um, Rays fans, whatever. I didn't get much from Braves fans. I think Braves are, Braves are sleeper Dodger fans where it's they care about the team and they do their stupid little chop, but I, I feel like a lot of them are there to have fun and party a little bit. You know, I, I kind of got Dodger vet fan vibes from them. So, Tropicana okay. was good, though. Um, we went to to Miami. I will confirm Marlins Park is whatever. Um, it ranked, like, really? third to last. Yeah, it's just has no personality. They take they took that damn home run fountain out, and now it's, like, it's just a bunch of vanilla stuff. Like, they have this team on the field that's, like, Latin. You know, they have a lot of Latin players, and they're leaning into the Latin culture of Miami and all this stuff. And then the stadium itself just doesn't utilize that at all it's just fucking bland tyler it, it was you could put this is how target field was for me too the twins field if you just took all the marlins logos away you could put you could tell me any team played there and i'd be like okay like because there's no there's nothing that makes it fucking marlins park angel stadium there's stuff that makes it feel like there's a fucking giant a in the parking lot like there was nothing that made yeah. it feel like it was marlins park it was just a, a, a giant multi-purpose dome that the marlins happened to play in that only sold 11,000 tickets when we went and that's probably questionable. <laughs> Damn. I, I, you got to blame Jeter for that though. He, he really fumbled by uh, getting rid of that fucking statue. Yeah. It's, it's idiotic. I think teams like the Marlins, uh, the Rays leaned into it a little bit more, you know, they, they're Tropicana at least had personality, but um, teams like the Marlins need to lean into like, you know, I know I'm biased cause I'm a charger fan, but like, I think the Chargers marketing since moving to LA has been fantastic. I think they're growing a fan base and they're leaning into like the younger fan base, social media. Like, I don't know what the Marlins are trying to do, but I will say about Miami itself. I learned, I know you're jealous saying you wish you were on a Florida beach somewhere. I learned I'm not a Miami guy, Ty. Really? Yeah. I mean, me and Riley aren't really partiers. Like we weren't going out to bars. We weren't staying up late. We weren't part of that nightlife. It was really busy chaotic on on south beach i changed my hotel because the original hotel which i thought had good reviews turns out kind of had fake good reviews and i kind of had to take the l because it was non-refundable and i had to book something else which our new hotel was fantastic really enjoyed it it was cheaper than the original one too which was just made me even more mad um i'm gonna actually contact expedia and be like hey look this hotel is fucking fake reviews like can you at least give me like credit to book something and you know, not to brag, I'm a gold member, so maybe they'll give me, they'll cut me some slack. But, um, yeah, it was just like, it, it wasn't our, our cup of tea. We went to the beach and it was hot as hell. It was like 90 degrees. The water was warm, which I was very excited for, but I was like picturing us like lounging on the beach, having a nice long day. We even got chairs for staying in the hotel we were staying at and towels and everything. And like, it was too hot to enjoy the, the chairs and tan because it, it was just so damn hot and it's humid there too. So it's not even just like the sun. And like you think California beaches, it gets up to like 80 and you're like, okay, great. It was like I said, 90 with 70% humidity. 
And the water, it was like, it was clear. The water was way clearer than ours, but it was still kind of where we were. Like, there was a lot of kelp. And more importantly, there was a giant school of fish that were swimming at towards me anytime I got, like, knee deep. And it scared me. I literally screamed in front of a bunch of people. Um, so we only lasted, I think it was 55 minutes at Miami Beach, Ty. No way. Yeah. yeah. It was it was not our cup of tea, man. That's uh, I think I would enjoy that very much. Um, I I, I don't know. I, I think you view like California beaches and Hawaii. That feels like relaxing beaches. Miami doesn't feel like that. I think you had a uh, bad expectations going into that. <laughs> I think it would have been different if we had people with us. If you guys were with us or just any friends, but you know, like. Riley's not a big beach person and that's fine. Not everyone has to be a beach person, but like, you know, like you can only do so much if you're just going in the water by yourself and I'm not blaming her at all. I don't want her to do something she's uncomfortable with, but like, you know, I'm not a big beach guy either. Like I'm more of like a, if we're going as a group, I'll kind of adapt to what the group wants to do and have fun. But like me and her aren't like beach first people. I feel like I'm more of a mountain guy. I, I like coastal. Like I loved central California when we went, but I'm not like sit on a beach coastal. I'm like, enjoy a cup of coffee in a beach town where it's only 65, but it's dewy and you know, that kind of, that kind of vibe. So I don't know. We mm. went back to the hotel. The hotel had a rooftop pool, which was nice. We lounged there for like two and a half hours and then we walked around, you know, South beach. So that was fine. But Miami wasn't great. I will say the second day before the Marlins game, we went to like, they have like little islands off the, the coast and um, just like they have a bridge and like we drove to one and we went to like this historic park, which I didn't even know was like a his, uh, historic park. It was like, the first colored beach in Miami, I think it said. And like, that's where like a bunch of people happened and they had a bunch of like civil rights stuff happen there and stuff it was really cool. But they had like a secluded little beach and this was on Tuesday. So Memorial day was Monday. So it was less busy. There was like trees and shade. And like, I was just sitting there like, and you could hear the waves crashing cause the beach was so small and the water was clear, but it wasn't as like kelpy and stuff. And like we spent some time there and I was like, damn, I wish we would have just came here. It was more like the old person, kind of beach for Miami and I was like well I think guess me and Ryan are just old souls so wasn't a huge fan of Miami <laughs> all right well I mean that I, I can't say that surprises me um but that's fine you know it's not it's not everyone's cup of tea yeah and besides that I mean I didn't get pulled over um driving went safe you know I I, I can talk about the movie theater experience which we could talk about when we dive into the movie itself but it, it's been a good trip so um, I'm excited to update you and the listeners about it, but it, it's just mostly good to talk to you, Ty, and hear your beautiful voice and, and talk about Little Mermaid because this is a, a controversial, maybe not controversial, but this is a, a popular polarizing movie. And I'm interested to see what you think about this because I really don't have a grip. Usually I kind of feel like I know what you're going to think about a movie. I'm not sure I know what you're going to feel about this movie. No, I mean, I can't wait to talk about it. I'm I'm glad you're having a good trip first. Um, I'm looking forward to the the finale of our three part series of Jason's vacation updates. <laughs> um, and I'm excited to hear what you think about this movie, Jay. Let's get into it. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80 percent lean ground beef for three forty nine a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for seventy seven cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ariel is a mermaid and the daughter of King Triton. 
She has always been forbidden to visit the uh, surface world by her father. But when her curiosity gets the best of her, she finds that the surface world might not be as bad as she was led to believe. And that true evil comes from the depths of the sea. Not your best synopsis read, but just to oh, behind God. the scenes. Um, this was that was his third attempt, so I think we're just gonna roll with it. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't do it again. It was a mouthful. <laughs> uh, that's on you. You write them, so there's no one to blame but yourself. Yeah. No fingers pointing at myself, pointing at Amir. <laughs> um, Little Mermaid, The Little Mermaid, live action remake of the 1993 classic. I don't know exactly what year it was made. Uh, part of the Disney renaissance of the 1990s. It has a 68% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, a 95% audience score over on Rotten Tomatoes, which I will say right off the bat, I'm very happy about. Um, I thought this movie would get bombarded with hate reviews from the audience because of, you know, Ariel being, excuse me, Ariel being, you know, not being a colored and not being the the cartoon representation of herself, which is always funny to me because like people get upset about stuff like that, and it's like you realize you're getting upset about a fake character that's not real that can be interpreted in any possible way. This isn't someone. It, this isn't a biography about someone, and you know they're picking someone completely different to act out the biography. This is a fictional character, a cartoon that they are remaking like it the the color of their skin really does not matter so i'm i'm glad to see it does matter it does matter for representation stuff we could talk about that in a bit but it doesn't matter in in you know the negative light that people love to spew so i'm glad to see it hasn't gotten bombarded with that tie yeah shocking truthfully because there's a lot of real racist dickheads yeah Uh, i'm surprised that they haven't gotten to this me too i i me too, but I, I am happy at the end of the day that it hasn't. Um, I will say, before we dive into the movie itself, we always have to talk about uh, our movie theater experience. So I'm going to guess, go out on a limb and say you didn't see this at Civic Plaza. You saw this at the drive-in theater. So how was your drive-in theater experience, Ty? What a great guess, Jay. Um, it was wonderful. I, I, have no, I haven't had a bad time at the drive-in yet. Uh, just high-quality uh, high quality projectors. Uh you know, you don't notice that big of a drop off uh, with the drive-in versus like an in-theater experience. The worst part's the sound. I will yeah. say that the sound in a car just doesn't hit the same as like a in-theater surround sound for sure. Um, but outside of that, it was great. It was, it was a good time. So no this complaints. this might be a niche thing. Um, obviously, they sell like better surround sounds and stuff for your car. But would it be realistic slash possible? if someone were to lean into making a car stereo that is suited for the drive-in theater and for a movie experience, or is that way too niche of a product? I think it's a way too niche of a product and B the issue is it's broadcasted on just a radio frequency, which I don't think you can do like left and right and front and center and subwoofer Mm. and all the breakdown that a theater has that gives it like that surround sound feel. You just get one sound, and it's uniform all throughout. So I think you would have to completely revamp the system. Okay, well, that raises another interesting question is, and again, we're, we're, I'm trying to fix something that's like old technology that you know used to be a very popular way people went and saw movies and now is a niche way. Like, I don't know how many, how many people go to these drive-in movies, Ty? 
Oh, it's busy every time. Oh, well, that's good. But it's it's not still not as popular as... Did you go to Barstow or down the hill? No, we go to the Riverside one. Okay. Um, shout out, shout out Van Buren Drive-In. Okay, so obviously that's there's that one or there's Barstow because the other one that was in like Redlands closed down and that's, you know, those are 90 miles apart. So that shows you just how, how frequent they are. Um, before there was a lot of them. So this isn't like a new technology and stuff people aren't worried about, but... I wonder if it's time for the drive-in movies to move to, and I'm not, I don't know how this works, but like, could they just do Bluetooth? And then suddenly you can have Bluetooth speakers, you can have Bluetooth this and Bluetooth that, and you can have minivan. Look, if I'm like Chrysler, if I'm Dodge and I'm making a minivan, I'm leaning into that. I'm making the special package, and maybe they already do this, I'm not in the minivan market, but like, I'm leaning into the you know, the movie sound, quality sound for the kids in the back who want to watch the the movie on the TV. Yeah, it might be a little bit annoying for the driver, but, and then you could you could parlay that into a good movie-going experience in the drive-in. Like, I don't know, there's an idea. Why not use Bluetooth? I don't know how it works, Ty. Maybe you have an answer. Maybe you don't. I don't know. I'm, my concern is, like, on some Bluetooth things, there's a little delay, which if yeah. there's the slightest delay while watching a movie... I'm leaving. I'm leaving the drive-in. Uh, it'll drive me fucking insane. That's fair. Whereas, I, that's F, fair. whereas FM is broadcasted like uniformly, and there's zero delay. That's fair. Yeah, I can I can attest to this because if I, we were to watch Harry Potter Bluetooth in my car, there's a pretty big delay. Um, even with the cord, and again on a road trip, there's a, like a very slight delay. But I'm driving, so it doesn't really bother me, and Riley doesn't see it, so I'm like, whatever. Um, it is what it is. But I will say my movie-going experience, Ty, we saw this in uh, Brandon, Florida. That's a great name for a town. Shout out to Brandon. Um, Love that. Right outside of Tampa Bay, like probably technically a suburb of Tampa Bay. Got last-minute tickets, showed up late but on time. The movie had just started, um, but we were we were pretty late. Like The movie was supposed to be 2.45. We got there at like 3.05, but AMC always has a million previews, so it ended up being perfect timing for us. Um and I will say I was very happy to see that, you know, there was there were so many little girls and their families um, coming out to see this with some of them dressed up as Ariel, you know, some of them just there to see the movie, you know, and it was great. Like I talk about all the time, I don't have to beat the dead horse with this conversation because we've had it, but the representation matters. It matters for these little girls to see a princess that looks like them and anyone who's offended by it can just just shut up and leave because it's really cool to see something like this. That being said, while all the, there were so many lovely families and little girls, and I've always said, if you go to a kid's movie, you can't expect it to be perfect. Like, there was some kids talking. There was a little girl next to us, or a little boy. I don't. I actually don't know if it was a girl or boy. They were so little, it was like you couldn't tell if it was a girl or boy. They were little, little. Um, they were talking a lot in this movie, and I was fine with it. They were, they were coughing a little bit, which I was a little worried about, but um, <laughs> they were talking a lot. And I was like, you know what? We're in a kid's movie. I'm not going to complain about the, the kid whispering in the film. Like, it is what it is. What I will complain about is the mother next to us who was not next to us, but it was like this was a really weird theater. But she was like there was like an aisle in between us. So it was like there was almost like two aisleways in, in the rows. It was kind of weird, almost like a plane, but obviously not as close as a plane. And so she was in the next seat over us on the other side of that aisle sitting there literally on her phone on TikTok the entire film while her daughter in light up sneakers was like running up and down her aisle while watching the film. Again, I'm not going to blame a kid for wanting to run up and down the aisle during a movie. Like, I get it. 
But, like, if you're the parent in that situation, you should maybe not sit there on TikTok with your brightness on full display and be distracting And while everyone else is trying to watch the movie. And we were kind of – we were in, like, the middle of the theater, so there was a lot of people behind her who were probably getting blinded by that TikTok feed. So um, there was that, and then there was someone else who did something. Uh, someone took a phone call, that's right. And there was one other person who did something, like an adult, and I was just like, the people of Brandon, Texas, they, they lost their movie theater etiquette from the pandemic, I think. I don't know what happened. <laughs> You mean Brandon, Florida? Brandon, Florida, yes. Not Brandon, Texas. Apologies to the Texas people. I don't know why I just took a shot at Texans. <laughs> Real stray shot there to the people of Brandon, Texas. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fucking terrible. And I would, uh, I would be pissed. I would really throw a fit um, if there was a mother who, A, was just allowing her child to do that, and B, just also being a nuisance. Um, I would... I don't care how many states away I am from home and how uncomfortable I feel. I would still say something. <laughs> and I love you for that, Ty. If we if I go to if we go to the movies with you guys, I know you'll say something, and I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I don't have to conjure up the confidence to do that. So I, I greatly appreciate you know you having the confidence to do that. But my favorite part was when she took a Snapchat photo of her daughter finally sleeping on her chest, um, and used the front flash while taking the photo. Um, during the movie, of course, um, during the Ursula scene when it's very dark and it's like the climax of the film. So that was fun too, but it took away from my experience a little bit, but it is what it is. Yeah, no, you, you can, I forgive children in children movies. I do not forgive adults who are acting like children. Couldn't have said it better myself, Ty. Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, we had the representation talk. We don't have to dive into that. Um, we've talked about them live remaking these live action movies and how they they haven't really worked a lot of times i just want to know what you think think about this movie ty so let's jump into it plot slash story why don't you break that down for us plot slash story now jay you're you're noted uh person who hasn't seen the original version of the live action remakes have yeah. you seen the original live action or non-live action little mermaid so um i'm sure i That's my no. fi- well my, no. okay actually let me let me explain myself, Tyler. Um, <laughs> a, my mom would say, of course he's seen it because, you know, I would watch these movies as a baby. That doesn't count. I've been on the record of saying that. I have seen the animated version of this because Riley showed it to me when we first got together going on almost eight years ago in a month, in a day, will be eight years. Um, I don't remember any of it because she said this movie was a shot by almost a shot by shot remake and I didn't remember damn near any of it so yes i've seen it no i don't remember it okay um yeah i'm pretty sure it was it was pretty close there was there was some minor differences that i noticed um victoria was furious furious at the the changes that they made going for animated to to live action um any examples i was gonna i was gonna make a joke about her being mad about the black ariel i'm not gonna do that to my wife because uh She's very inclusive. She was pissed off because they changed the sisters' names. Um, mm. Let's see here. Wouldn't even know Did a little names. research. Apparently, in the animated movie, all of the sisters have a A name. Ah. Let's go here. It is Ariel, Atina, Aquata, Alana, Arista, Andrina, and Adrea. Okay. Um, in this, they just don't. They just gave them new names, and she didn't appreciate that one bit. And she made sure that I brought it up for some reason. Okay, fair. They could have done the same thing with the mermaids all being different, but still done A names. So, 
Okay. They could have. I respect there was no I, need for it, and and she she thought it was ridiculous. So I respect um, that critique. No. Outside of that, um, it seemed very similar. I mean, it's a live action. Obviously, like there's going to be some things that are different. The story's the exact fucking same. I don't really remember like all the exact parts. I don't remember if Ursula gets big and, and that's the final showdown. Yeah, she got to imagine it is. Yeah, Riley said that's almost identical with the boat stabbing her and everything. Because I said after the movie, I was like that. Climax seemed kind of anticlimactic. Like she got big, grabbed him, got stabbed with a bow, and then died. And Riley's like, "Yeah, that's pretty much what happened in the animated." So they just kind of stuck to it. And I was like, "Well, at least they didn't add a bunch of fluff. They kind of were just like, hey, 'Hey, let's just roll with it.'" <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, I think that this movie's a little slow at points. Um, original, and this seems consistent throughout with every one of these live action movies. The original animated, it's a short movie. Like, yeah. Uh, Let's see here. Little Mermaid 1989 film. I think you had that wrong. It's an hour and 23 minutes. And this one jumps up to two hours and 15. So you get 45 extra minutes of stuff with really no major story changes that I'm aware of. Um, Because it's dragged a little. With that being said, like you can either do like what Guillermo del Toro did with his Pinocchio and, and, and change it up and make it this unique thing. Mm-hmm. Or you can do this and just tell the same fucking story and, and expand on it a little bit more. It was a little slow. I still liked the overall story. I gave it a 13 out of 20. Wow. Okay. I thought for sure. Cause I, I was going to come at you with some positive things I liked about the story. I thought for sure uh, I was going to come at you with a higher score, but I'm actually coming at you lower despite the positive things yeah it's always hard for me with these films because it's a remake so it's like i almost don't want to give too much credit to them just remaking something and doing it the exact same now i might give it credit elsewhere you know if it deemed fit but in terms of plot story it's like how much credit do we really give a movie for just copying and pasting and it's the same story you know like was the original a good story yeah sure does this standalone film, do we grade it knowing the other one? Do we grade it as it's its own thing? If the other Little Mermaid didn't exist, how would I grade it? Would it be a little bit higher? Maybe, probably. Um, so I always struggle with that, especially with these films. So that's where I struggled with here. Um, I will say, so I landed at an 11 out of 20. And I think I would have been maybe a little bit lower if, you know, I didn't have these positive things to say about it because it's just kind of like a cut and dry thing. What I liked about the story, and I don't know if this comes across in the animated one. Again, I don't remember it much, and maybe it does. I would have to ask Riley about how she felt watching it, you know, as an adult and a young girl. It's a love story, and I know Disney's been trying to go, like, away from these kind of male-reliant love stories, true love's kiss kind of deal. But it's also, in in this version of the film, it, it leans a lot into the, the independability of Ariel and, you know, kind of breaking free from, you know, her father's wishes and expectations and maybe that charlatan style of thinking of the past. But it really leans into the individuality of the character. And you kind of see that with, like, the other mermaids, you know, all being their own individuals and everything. And, um, yeah, she's doing it for, like, love. not Maybe not for love, but she, she wants to be part of that world. And <laughs> pun intended, I guess. I don't know nice. if that counts as a pun. but. <laughs> Um, and yeah, there's the love dynamic, but you can have the kind of basic Disney love story that Disney might be trying to go away from, but also tell this other story of a character who's trying to be their own person. You know, she's not falling in love with Eric because 
she's a damsel in distress, whatever. She falls in love with Eric because she feels like she, she wants to be a human and she is a human. And you know, that's why it happens. So again, I don't, maybe the animated, there is that sense of this, but I feel like that was a big, maybe not a big focus. I would say a big focus in this remake is trying to get those tones across. So that's why I gave it more credit. I'm still lower than you at 11 out of 20, but I did like that. I feel like there's a takeaway here for, you know, young boys and girls, you know, and adults even like about individuality and kind of, you know, generational trauma. That's the new thing of 2020 movie making, um, <laughs> breaking free from that. But, um, I liked it. I liked that kind of, that story being told behind it. Yeah. And I think, uh, it, it is difficult with these remakes, uh, to judge the story if it's basically the same thing. Um, but the way I kind of view it is like, whenever I'm judging any story, like part of that is how original is it? Like, have I seen this story before? Is it a unique thing that I haven't seen before? These are just never going to get that. So mm-hmm. like, you can't really get any higher than the scores we're giving it because they're not original. Like yeah, uh, if you, if you do, you know, shutter Island, for example, if you just do that again, like, yeah, it still has a cool twist and it's still a cool movie. But like at the end of the day, like it's been done before and it's not original. So you're not going to get a lot of love, but um, I, I mean, we'll get to it in characters a little bit more, but is, I, mean, I, I fuck her name up every time. Halle Bailey. I always think uh, Haley, Haley Berry, Halle Berry, Halle Berry. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> yes. Their, their names are way too similar and it fucks me up. That's I told um, Riley. I she... think she does a very good job of, of conveying that level of, curiosity and and like you said it is more self-motivated of her whole thing is like collecting things from the surface world and Mm -hmm. and learning about that and while yeah it is a lot to do with eric and her wanting to get up there like half the movie once she's up there is eric chasing her around because she's so curious and wants to explore and and create this own thing for herself so i do appreciate that for sure yeah i was telling riley that Haley Haley barry Haley bailey whatever um the aerial in this film, um, I'm surprised her publicist didn't suggest like a name change, um, which again, happy for her. She's just rolling with her name, individuality. Great. But I'm sure there was at least one publicist in her ear like, are you sure you don't want to go by like a nickname or like throw your middle name in there like Michael B. Jordan? Like, you know, I, I, I'm surprised she's not, you know, Haley W. Bailey or whatever her, her middle name is. Um, but, you know, that, that's, Lynn. Just, that's an Haley aside. Lynn Bailey. Haley Lynn Bailey. Bailey is so much easier. Yeah, yeah, but she's going to make a name for herself, and, you know, then people are going to be confusing Halle Berry for her, so how about that? Um, oh, shit. I feel like we need to jumble the, the scale around just for this movie, but we're not. We're going to keep tracking along key elements. So this is a weird movie, and I saw someone else make this point. I don't remember who made this point, and I'm going to steal it, and sorry. I just don't remember who made it. This movie... You mentioned it drags a little bit. It's slow a little bit. And I saw this firsthand in the theater itself. There were kids who fell asleep in this. There was a Snapchat picture taken. Um, The talkative little little child next to me stopped talking towards the end. This movie doesn't feel like a kid's movie. Like, it's a kid's movie. Don't get me wrong. But it feels more like it was made for the the, the young adults and grown adults that grew up and watched the little mermaid. Like I, I, there's not more adult overtones or anything, but like, it just, it doesn't feel like they leaned into the, the kid nature of it as much. And 
that kind of hurts it a little bit, but at the same time, I feel like it might help it if that's kind of the target audience they're going for is these millennials who watch this film and the Gen X or Gen Zers who grew up watching these films. Like if that's your target audience, then you made the right movie. Yeah. It's not like thrilling or anything, but like it's not like an overly kid fest. It's not the Mario movie, um, which great movie still. Um, So it's a give or take there. And then we talk about the music, I feel like, and then the kind of Disney fied version of it. Look, I, I know it's a lot of remade music, um, and I, I don't want to say too much about um, Miss Barry, Bailey, whatever. I'm going to mess it up the whole podcast as the titular Ariel because I want to get to that later when we get to characters. But I liked all the music in this. I liked the performance of it. And I think what I want to – and this we're going to blend kind of key elements and visuals and cinematography together, I think, is I really liked the Scuttlebutt song, and I just wanted to get your opinion on that before I give my score. <laughs> <laughs> you just froze in your tracks there for a second. Um, I so look, I, I agree, and I think the best way that I can put it is is there's certain things that like a generation of people grew up with, mm-hmm. and then it gets to that point where you want to remake it, and the studios have a choice whether it's something that an older audience is going to be excited for, but it's intended for a younger audience, or is it something that I, I, I don't know. My bit, the thing that comes to mind is the Kim possible movie they did. I don't know if you remember this at all. No. Um, it's 2019 Disney channel did a live action Kim possible. Movie. Really? I did not know that existed. Yeah, and it, like again, like there were shots on it, and people were all excited, like, "Oh my god, Kim Possible!" This movie was made for kids. It is a kids' movie through and through, and people shit all over it because they were like, "Oh, what the fuck!" Like it looks terrible, and blah blah blah, and like they gave the actress shit for for like the Kim live action Kim Possible, and like Disney very intentionally made that movie for kids. Like it, it was not for the people who grew up watching Kim Possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This feels like it's for the people who grew up watching The Little Mermaid way more than it is for the kids. But the the problem with that is like kids aren't going to like this movie as much. Whereas like the adults don't like that new Kim Possible movie. I'm sure kids fucking love the new Kim Possible movie though. And those kids will like grow up liking Kim Possible. Yeah. Whereas I don't think kids who watch this movie are going to grow up enjoying The Little Mermaid the same as the adults who have grown up enjoying the little mermaid. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I do think that comes into effect here. Um, with that being said, like it's, it's a kind of an adventure story. I I don't know. Like it's a family adventure story and it's very much a musical. Um, she does a fucking wonderful job with all of these songs. Yeah. It's just, it's so good. All of them are so good. Um, I think it may actually be better than the original at some points wow. in terms of music. What'd you think of the Scuttlebutt song? Ah, Scuttlebutt song is weird. I loved it. I know it's been getting shit on the internet. I loved it. I re-listened Victoria, to it in the car. You, Victoria did the same thing. She loves it as well. I'm indifferent. Um, it's a it's a Lin Manuel Miranda banger. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So you got to give it some credit there. <laughs> but it, it's weird. Definitely a weird addition. It's different. But all like the Little Mermaid songs that are from the original are fucking fantastic in this. And I think it does that really, really well. And I think 
again, when you're making a Little Mermaid movie, it's how well did you do the Little Mermaid? I think one of the biggest things is the the music. So I'm going to give it a lot of credit there. I, I finished with the 16 out of 20. Wow. Very heavily carried by by the music and the that side of it. Once again, here I was thinking I was going to come over the top with you with the higher score because I was going to say some of the things I maybe didn't give it credit for for plot slash story I was going to give it credit for when it comes to key elements because it was it remade The Little Mermaid and you know it did a really good job at that. I would push back a little bit on it all of the songs being better. I I, I still don't think uh, Ursula like I thought the character was fine, but the song I I think could have been better. I think it was a it wasn't singing more so than like yelling. I don't. I just don't know if Melissa McCarthy is a good singer. But hey, that's all right. Um, I wouldn't say that was better. And I will also say, um, I got a little popcorn craving because we showed up late, and I said, "Rye, how long until uh, Under the Sea?" Because that's the one song I really want to see, and like I don't want to miss. Because Debbie Diggs is from Hamilton. He said, "Oh, it's like twenty yeah. minutes away." Go up and get popcorn. Walk back in. Under the Sea is like done. And I was like, "You just blatantly lied oh, to me." Oh <laughs> no. So, um, missed that and had to re-listen to it, you know, in the car, but that's still not the same. So I did miss that. Anyways, I came up, I, I finished with a 15 out of 20, one point lower than you. It, it does the little mermaid notes perfect, maybe not perfectly, but really well. And it's a movie that's, you know, catered for, for Riley and for, you know, anyone else who enjoyed the films originally or later in life or whatever the case may be, maybe not so much kids, but who knows, you know, kids like, I feel like kids almost like any movie. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, they fell asleep, but like, I don't know. It's, you know, it, it did what it needed to do for sure. And that, I think that carries over to visual cinematography in, in the conversation is like, how much do we weigh the songs in this? Because it's like the songs are part of the key elements. They're an undi- undeniable part. They're the spine of the key elements, but at the same time, they're not new. The performances of the songs are new. And, you know, there was a second reprise, uh, repeats however you say that word, of the part of that world song. Shout out to Riley for telling me that. Didn't Wouldn't have got that for the podcast. So that was added. And I feel what does like, that mean? Uh, like when she sings it later in the movie and it's like different words for the chorus. Um, in the original, she does it once. In this one, she does it twice with like two different versions of the, the chorus or whatever. It's just it's the same melody and oh. stuff, but the different words, you know. Um, so I feel like when I talk about visual cinematography, I kind of have to talk about like the new songs being added a little bit more heavily than the old songs still, you know, give some credit to the old songs because they're still have to be reinterpreted and everything. So the new songs love scuttlebutt song, the one princess song was whatever. And then there was, I think there was one more new song. Didn't blow me away personally. The visuals, we both talked about how horrible we thought this movie was going to look. It looked as it looked horrible on the commercials on every TV, not even just the bad CGI commercial TV that I have. I will say, didn't look as bad as I thought it was going to in the theater. Was it Avatar Way of Water? Not even close. Um, was the the end, I believe, the Ursula scene, like when they're fighting, that one looked a little bit more like the commercials. I think the VFX team got a little bit tired by the time they reached the end of the movie. Um, but the beginning, when she's underwater, look, it, it's still a little bright. It doesn't look that realistic. But, hey, it's like it's not trying to be Avatar and look realistic like it didn't look as horrible. It also didn't look the best. I landed at a 9 out of 20 for visual cinematography, tie. Wow, that's pretty low. That's a low score. I, I just still feel like the VFX, like, the they did nothing special with the visuals. 
and I still feel like it didn't look great. So it's like I kind of land at like a 10 out of 20, and then I think about the last kind of fight sequence and everything, and Big Ursula didn't look the best. So that's how I landed at a 9. So admittedly at the drive-in, it's it's a little dark. I couldn't see Big Ursula all that well. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I couldn't tell any VFX issues because I could barely fucking see her. Yeah. Um, so I didn't I didn't take anything away for that. I do, like you said, it's not Avatar The Way of Water. It's not going to be. It's shot differently. It didn't take fucking 20 years of, you know, James Cameron in his lab perfecting how to shoot this movie. Um, But I do think that where it lacks in storytelling for children, it very intentionally is bright and vibrant and it looks fake. And I think that that kind of was intentional in a way. I, I think they wanted to mimic that little mermaid animated visuals and live action and where you could have had just regular fish and regular ocean and it just been whatever. I think they intentionally made it unrealistic in a way. Almost like the fucking Sonic the Hedgehog redesign where yeah. it's like you could go more realistic and just it doesn't look as good. Like animate it up a little bit for the live action and people will like it more. I think they do that because I think kids are going to love a lot of those scenes and like how it visually looks. Um, I, I definitely think you missed under the sea and that's a problem because that's a huge <laughs> song. Um, visually it looked great song wise. It was wonderful. And I don't think you're given enough credit for, yeah, it's redoing the songs, but the songs are fucking very good. And just ignoring the really good songs feels kind of cheap. feels wow. like you're taken away from it a little bit. Wow. You just call me cheap. Wow. It, it feels like it feels like a way for you to give it a little lower score, Jay. It feels like you uh, kind of want to shit on this movie. I've said nothing but positive no, I'm things just, I'm about just, it. I'm just fucking with you. I'm just for me like I really like the new um renditions of it. Under the Sea was fantastic. I agree Melissa McCarthy singing wasn't that great. Um I didn't know the Prince Eric song was a new song. I I just thought it was a forgettable song from the first one and they brought it back. <laughs> um but I, I do think Holly Bailey's songs and David Diggs as Sebastian singing was fantastic. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed their versions of this and how they did it. I think while CGI wise, it does look fake. I think it's a little intentional, so I'm not going to take too much credit away. Um, I landed on a 14 out of 20. Okay. Okay. I mean, Okay, I, I don't know. I can't say I uh, totally agree, but that's why we do this podcast. Um, I think, I, I, again, I don't think it looks incredible, but I think it's intentionally fake at times. I'm giving credit for more of the songs, and also I didn't see the final battle. That's subject to change once I watch it on a TV where I can see what happened. We have so many subject to change movies. I don't think we're ever going <laughs> to be able to to keep up. No, I get what you're saying, and you know, you you got a point about it kind of it was very bright and vibrant in points and maybe that's because it was a little slower so they were trying to keep the children awake um with <laughs> just make it so bright that they can't fall asleep um that's what i'm saying man yeah and i guess some of the set pieces and stuff did look pretty good um i'm willing to to meet you not halfway but i'll give it one more i'll give it double digits i won't put it in the single digits i'll give it a 10 but um okay I'm not moving from there. I'm I'm not gonna. Um, 
characters, though. Look, there was some. I think there was. There was some good acting in this. I, I I don't I don't think I would say there was great acting. Um, I would say there was good acting. I would say there was mediocre. Just mediocre always sounds negative, but it's not negative. It's supposed to just mean like, you know, whatever. Um, there was <laughs> mid acting. There was good acting. There was mid acting, and there was really bad acting. Um, mm. King Triton. Can we say the? Can we say the? <laughs> the really bad actor, uh, King Triton, Javier Bardem. Phoned it in. He did not want to be there, Ty. <laughs> Why the fuck did he agree to this movie, dude? He just, like, reads his lines like there's a fucking cue card behind the camera every time. He, I'm glad it stuck out to you. I'm glad it stuck out to Rai because that was one of the first things she said once we were out of the theater. And I was like, thank goodness I was not the only one that, like, felt this way. Like, he didn't. He really phoned it in. Really phoned it in. Like, he just couldn't care less. And, like, I, I think of the animated movie and, like, this is a dad getting frustrated with his daughter and, like, yelling, like, what, well, fucking Ariel, like, yelling. And he's just like, where is my daughter, Sebastian? Go get her. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and it's just, like, he doesn't care. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, not not his best work. He He was definitely collecting the paycheck. He was sick of all the blue screen. He was sick of everything. He probably had to wear some sort of mocap suit for the freaking fins, like, he was not having a good time, and you know what? I mean, it, it showed out. The mid-acting, I thought Melissa McCarthy was good casting for Ursula, and I don't know if it's just a little bit of Melissa McCarthy kind of uh, hate, but I, I think she was fine. She was fine. I don't think she was great. She was just middling. Um, I thought the guy who played Prince Eric was fine. I don't think he, he stood out to me. Um, I think David Diggs, I know I, I historically don't give a lot of credit to voice acting. I thought he did fantastic. Um, Aquafina plays Aquafina as Scuttle, uh, as as we've talked about on this podcast. She's <laughs> unfortunately outside of what is it, The Help, The Farewell, whatever movie that is. Um, my laptop's on the floor, so I can't research. Has kind of been typecasted here recently by Hollywood, and this happens again in this film. Um, Flounder was fine. Jacob Tremblay, whatever. I thought Halle Bailey was a good a good performance. I don't think it was a great acting performance i think it was a good performance the one thing i will say that i really wanted to hammer home is this casting was controversial for for the wrong reasons you know three years ago when it was announced however long ago and we've already touched on that it made and and she she was a no a no-name actress really like she hadn't done much you know i know with these mcu projects and some of these live actions like they hire people who haven't done much yet to kind of take over this this character you want it to be aerial you don't want it to be you know, Scarlett Johansson. I, I I don't know. You get what I'm saying. Um, you know, playing <laughs> Ariel. The moment she sang the first song, which what part of my part of your world, whatever. The casting made immediate sense. Like it, it was. I know they talked about. I watched some interviews where there was like the second she started singing, it was like after the first casting, whatever. Like they knew they had the right person, like instantly. And like I don't feel that way about a lot of films, like with characters, especially like reprises like this, where you're you're reprising an animated character. This made so much sense in the world to me. Um, she's got a killer voice, but I think it like sounded like Ariel, but was like almost her own twist to it. And I think she had the charm that the character needed. I think she had the the wonderment that the character needed. And I, I think, well, I wouldn't put the acting performance into, like, the Oscar-tier acting performance. The character, the casting 
was fantastic for someone who, you know, this was a big movie for her. You know, she needs to turn in a pretty good performance here. Um, you know, she wants to rise to the ranks and she absolutely did that. So, you know, the bad acting takes away from it a little bit, but I'm giving a lot of love to this casting tie. I really am. I think the, I think this cast is pretty good. Um, I landed at a 14 out of 20. Mm. Okay. You, you, uh, you kind of just took the words right out of my fucking mouth. Really? Cause I was planning on, on saying the exact same thing about Ariel. Um, <laughs> like there was all this controversy about it, but like, the singing the voice the curiosity in her eyes as like that character like we just did peter pan and wendy and they they kind of mix up <laughs> peter pan in that movie and and do it as a different he's not a freaking ginger uh, yeah. in peter pan uh, that's not my problem with it he just doesn't feel like peter pan in that yeah, movie yeah. it's just kind of mm-hmm. eh. whereas this like she feels like ariel she feels like the live action version of that character and that works for me perfectly, and, and I appreciate that. And it does, like you said, the casting makes complete sense watching this movie because she she is that character. Now, the writing and everything, like you're never going to win an Oscar for that type of character. But she does a very good job as that character. Um, King Triton's unforgivably bad. I, Javier Bardem is an award-winning actor. Just fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with Melissa McCarthy. I don't think they gave her enough. I think she did she did good enough, like you said. Uh, I don't think they gave her enough to really shine and, and be that memorable villain uh, necessarily. Mm-hmm. David Diggs is fantastic. He's he's the one who stands out by far the most for me. He's fucking wonderful as Sebastian um, with the voice acting and that that character feels so lively and and. He's a standout in the animated, and it stays the same here in the live action for sure. Um, and then, yeah, Aquafina is Aquafina. With that being <laughs> said, though, great casting for Scuttle. No, yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, for that type of character, exact type of actress and voice that you want for that. Because the, I didn't, I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of forgot everyone who was going to be in this movie going into it. Like I knew that W Diggs was in it. Like I heard all this before I forgot. And they're like, Oh, let's go sc- show scuttle. She'll know. And I was like, why the fuck did they gender swap scuttle? Like, what was the point of that? And then it was Aquafina. And I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I'm with it. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. But I, I think, uh, would you give me a 14? 14. I'm right there with you. I'm at a 13. I, I think King Triton's really, really bad prince eric is is a placeholder for me he's fine for sure he doesn't do anything good he doesn't do anything bad and um the rest of it like it's a good fit it works well david diggs is wonderful in it he needs to be in more shit because he's wonderful in everything that he's associated with that i see i feel like um and jacob trembley was flounder yeah flounders kind of gets lost in the shuffle in this i feel like Mm -hmm. I feel like if there's like a, a hardcore group of like Little Mermaid fans that are upset about something, it might be, I, I or if we're doing like a power rankings or something, like Flounder is the biggest faller from number one to number two in my opinion. Because Flounder like, or not number one and number two, but again, I don't remember much of the live action, but I know <laughs> Flounder is a beloved character and people really like Flounder, and he is, he might as well not even be in this film, honestly. Like he's yeah. he's. Mm-mm. I mean, he could have got the, you know, Mushu treatment in Mulan, and you could have just got rid of him. Yeah, it wouldn't have made a difference, which getting rid of Mushu was 
a horrible mistake. Huge difference. Yeah, yeah. We can we can both agree there. Um, I was gonna say I don't have like a, a um, you know, we've been doing the recurring bit of like the the actor that the movie wanted but got this instead. Um, I don't have one this week because Disney could have gotten anyone they wanted. It's fucking Disney. I will say. <laughs> I didn't know Lynn helped with the music on this until after the fact. And I listened to Scuttlebutt and Scuttlebutt, which sounds exactly like You're Welcome from Moana, which Lynn also wrote. I couldn't <laughs> help but think during the movie, literally, like, what if Lin-Manuel Miranda was King Triton? Like, I just, I, I don't know why, but there was, there's something about Lynn where I feel like he could have been Triton. And it just would have been hilarious if we would have got like a, it would have been so out of place. And we probably would have talked about it as the bad movie scene of the year. But God, I would have loved like a right after he does the the mad scene in Ariel's little dungeon or whatever, where he destroys everything. If we then got like a an introspective King Triton like sad rap song from Lin Manuel Miranda, I would have absolutely loved it. <laughs> that would have been wonderful. Oh, and I know I know your wife would have loved it too. <laughs> That's so ridiculous, but no, it it could have been wonderful. Um, I, I do think there was, while Disney maybe got their guy in Javier Bardem, I think there's about a hundred different guys who could have played that role better. Oh, for sure. For sure. But it wasn't, it, it didn't meet the qualifications of like, Hey, this, this was written for this actor in mind. Like, you know, like Kid Cudi and Crater was like very obviously like, if we can get Jamie Foxx, let's try to get him with this role, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, man. What a fucking miss, though, with that guy. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened. Do you have my my actors written down? Because I know I've I've dropped a few at you. I haven't, but I I should have. <sighs> I know you had. Oh fuck! One was Ryan Reynolds, right? It was well. It was Jamie Fox for in Crater as the dad. He was that was one of them. Instead of Kid Cudi, it was um, Gina Carano instead of Michelle Rodriguez. In Dungeons and Dragons, not that Gina Carano is a bigger name, but that just felt like it was written for Gina Carano. And yeah, I think it was Ryan Reynolds, but I don't remember for who. It's I don't remember for who. So that's a that that sucks. Big miss for us. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna find it. Um, and the list is now created. Thank you, Ty. Greatly, greatly appreciate that. Enjoyment. How much did you enjoy this on a scale from one to twenty? Um, pretty good amount. Pretty good amount, I'd say, Jay. I was surprised because you know, as much as I do, that these movies are just a fucking chore to get through sometimes. And uh, this one wasn't. I had a good time with it. I enjoyed the music. It was a little long, but it was fine. The story was good. The performances were good enough. Um, I had a pretty good time with it. I landed with a fourteen out of twenty. Okay. Um. I'm a little bit lower. Um, like you said, I, I do think while I'm, I'm praising a lot of the the acting decisions, like this is one of those podcasts where like we talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and that movie gets something in the 70s, but we kind of shit on it the whole time because expectations were so high. I think this is oh, an yeah. example of expectations being so low. So while we've been overly positive in the film, there's naturally a cap on where this movie can go. Like it's not, I mean, we're, grading it 1 to 20 but realistically like it's 1 to 15 you know like just by the type of movie it is um i think what you said earlier about plot slash story kind of nailed the head nailed the i always mess that saying up it nailed it for me in that 
it felt a little long and it dragged a little bit and it was like parts of this movie where I was just like can you hurry up can you get to it and like it, it could it have been 30 minutes shorter probably because the original was 45 minutes shorter you know like could it have been 20 minutes shorter probably you know maybe not a full 30 so I I was I enjoyed it more than I expected. I I liked the casting. I liked what they did. I think they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish with this film. I'm not the full target audience for it. And maybe if I was, it'd be a little bit higher. I landed at a 12 out of 20. I didn't hate it. Am I going to rewatch it? Probably not. Am I going to listen to the Scuttlebutt song on repeat? Absolutely. But um, (laughs) the highest that's going to get me is a 12 out of 20. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a great song, Ty. It's uh. I still don't know how I feel about it. It's catchy, but I don't know if I like it. It's getting played at the wedding. Oh, my God. You mean your wife are going to dance to it? <laughs> She'll love it. She she very much enjoys that song. She knew it was Daddy Lynn from the second it uh, it played. So It literally sounds like You're Welcome from fucking Moana. Like, the, the rhythm is the exact same. Um, with my 12 for enjoyment tie, I landed one point higher than last week's movie. I'm at a 62 out of 100. All right, Jay. I I'm a little bit higher than you on this. I just kind of was a few points higher consistently across the board. I finished with a seventy out of a hundred, um, giving this movie a sixty-six out of a hundred, making it the hundred and twelfth ranked movie out of a hundred and eighty-three films that we reviewed. It is Jeez. with the likes of uh, Space Jam, and The Witches, and Death on the Nile, and Bros, all with the exact same score. Um, Jungle Cruise, I kind of like that that comp right yep, there. Yep, yep. Uh, very, very, you know, enjoyable kind of Disney movie. Stuber, Kate, I don't, I don't know. It's a weird grouping of movies, but yeah. it's just it, it's good enough. Yeah, your score carried it. It's within the lines as a group. <laughs> we would give it a fresh, um, because it is above sixty five, sixty five and higher. But I did land at a sixty two, so. By our own rules, if I was doing an individual score, I would have done a rotten, but just barely. Like, it's not a rotten rotten. Um, And I feel like our score is kind of reflective. Look, the Rotten Tomato score is 68. Like, we literally landed 66 out of 100, you know? We always say Rotten Tomato scores aren't the best way to determine the true quality of a movie. But, you know, when it lines up, sometimes they line up and it makes sense. Um, This feels like a movie where two out of three people will probably give it a fresh. You'll get... Someone like me who will be like, you know, yeah, it's rotten, but it's still not horrible. I mean, some people say it's horrible, whatever. You get people like you that'll be like, it's not the best, but it's fresh. And then you'll get the nostalgic people who also give it a fresh. So that's your two out of three right there. Um, so I feel like that's a fitting score, Ty. Are you ready for your yeah. random Rotten Tomato audience score movie of the week, though? Oh, I'm locked in, Jay. I'm really excited to see what the next idea is that you have. So I, I feel like I have to get it here soon. Well, we're going to take a, a trip down melissa mccarthy road and we're gonna go with the 2014 comedy film tammy starring miss mccarthy God, I, I fucking hate her husband man what do you have why are you talking about her husband oh i know he was a producer on this movie because this movie's based around making fun of how fat his wife is <laughs> okay so you kind of freaking stole the thunder this is his first directed movie uh ben falcon yeah no i know no i know <laughs> His first, his directorial debut, Tammy, the movie where he makes fun of his wife's weight. Giant piece of shit. Um, 
God, I hope it's bad. I'm sorry for Melissa, but I hope it's a terrible score. I, I've never seen this movie. I, I literally know nothing of it other than it makes fun of her. Um, and she plays the buffoon throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Over 50,000 movies. Ratings. How many? Over 50,000. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot of ratings. I can't really do much with that uh, to help me figure this out. <laughs> um, I I don't know, because when it's bad movies, I feel like you have like the extreme bads and then the middle of the road bads. Where like good movies, I can usually be like, oh, you know, I think it's middling or I think it's like in the elite tier. But I feel like there's like a 40 point range that this could be in. Um, What's that range? Give me give me two numbers. I mean, it could be. I, I think it's at least double digits. I think it could be anywhere from ten to to like forty, which isn't a forty point range, but still. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go low end though. We're gonna rock a. Uh, let's go nineteen out of a hundred. You should have went with the higher end of your range, Ty, because you were your your the number was in your range. It has a 24% critic score, but a 36% audience score, Ty. That's what I'm talking about, man. There's just people like movies no matter what, and it just hurts my brain. Uh, Well, let me read you um, a review. This could be a new part of the segment. Uh, I don't know how I didn't think of this either. This is from an unnamed reviewer that gives it five stars out of five. Um. And it says, this movie is such a wonderful look at hilarious real women. Of course, Melissa McCarthy is hilarious. But there are also a great performance by Susan Saradin and some really heartfelt looks at aging and growing up. I really love this movie. Great to watch. What the fuck, man? So ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, It looks like there's a lot of big name actresses, so that's probably carrying it for some people. But Melissa McCarthy calls a spade a spade, and that's what makes her movies great. <laughs> oh man, I don't think I'm gonna watch Tammy anytime soon. Um, but God damn it! I, oh, this one just says I hate Melissa McCarthy. You don't hate Melissa McCarthy. You hate her husband. You don't know any better. Yeah, you're not wrong there, Ty. I'm not gonna watch uh, Tammy anytime soon, but I am gonna watch a very exciting movie for our podcast next week. What are we reviewing? Oh, Jason, next week's a big one. It um, is. My laptop just fully froze. Oh, we're back. Uh, next week, we were reviewing the highly anticipated Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Um, I'm so fucking excited, Jay. It's it's debuted. I won't give the score because that'll be for next week, but, but it's debuted to great critic response. It's Part 1 of a two-part film, as you mentioned, Part 1. Um, I don't think we're going to get a Fast 10 ending where it just cuts to black. So that's promising. Um, but I'm excited. It's I would gonna, hope not. It's going to be really good. The first one was great. This one's getting great reviews. And I'm excited to see not only how great this film is, but the doors they open in the Spider-Man multiverse with this film. Yeah, it uh, it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to the the visuals. Shout out my my son, whose middle name is Miles. So uh, there's that. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. You got anything else, Jay? No, I have no idea where I'm going to watch this film. I'll tell you that much. But I know I'm going to watch it, and that's all that matters. 
I can't wait. Go get tickets. Go watch that movie. Uh, in the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. <laughs>